0: pelletero pickle episode 117 we are right around the corner from college baseball professional baseball wbc d2 has already started uh college softball seasons are starting a lot going on uh, we talk about some hitting stuff we go on some rants about uh contact depth missing on the pro sides a lot of twitter stuff wbc topics hall of fame topics and will be the show the cover you're gonna like this one check it out Pelotero Pickle episode 117. It is Monday, February 6th. We got a lot going on. The high school and college seasons are starting down here, college seasons in general, uh, warm weather climates for high school. Pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting soon. Uh, We got a lot going on. A lot of baseball stuff going on, a lot of softball stuff going on. Before we get into the topics, a reminder send us your questions, topics, concerns, anything. To pickle at Pelotero com via email, or hit us up on social media. Twitter is at Pelotero pickle, or you can find us on Instagram Pelotero app, TikTok I think is Pelotero corp. You can find us if you try. So hit us up. Uh, Chris joining me as always. Chris, how you doing?
1: Hola, less cold.
0: Ciao. Yeah, it was, it was you got We uh we had a big storm last week. You guys got the cold over the weekend mount washington was like negative 110
1: some 95 yeah just ridiculous (laughs) wind chill it looked like that mount washington looked like if i had to define the apocalypse in one picture yeah one video that's what it looked like especially the camera was one of those infrared whatever so the, the picture was grainy and
0: I think no matter what, when it's when it's negative one hundred and ten, and the wind's whipping like that, and there is snow everywhere, it's going to look like a black and white, and it just, yeah, apocalypse. That was like nuclear winter type stuff. All right, let's jump into topics here, Chris. We just had a little audio reset, but we're going to get flowing. So, I had a tweet the other day about uh, Patrick has it here his order of operations. So, I tweeted, "Is it harder to a get a good get good at hitting the ball deep, then learn how to catch it out front?" Or B, get good at catching balls out front, then learning how to hit the ball deep. So decent decent reaction to it. Um curious what your thoughts are, Chris. There's been a huge movement about hitting the ball out front. And the uh, <laughs> the the thought process is damages is out front. Don't want to let the ball get deep. No, ain't no ain't no slug deep in the zone. And I think hitters want, I think pitchers want hitters to try to hit the ball out front. I think it makes hitters very exposable if they're trying to catch balls out front. Uh, What are your thoughts? Should you think about, should you work on hitting the ball deep, then learn how to get it out front, or work on hitting the ball out front, then learn how to hit it deep?
1: All right. So I think Patrick wants me to get mad today because that's why he put this topic in the list of things to talk about. I'm incredibly annoyed at the state of hitting on the internet. Because we've we've literally regressed, if you think about it, Bobby. We've literally gone backwards in the sense that no, we've made all far. these strides. yeah, like we've made all these strides from a understanding human movement standpoint and from understanding like what better mechanics look like. you know, the foot down generation is basically over the squish the bug, take the knob to the ball. Like, I don't see a lot of kids that are being restricted by those old school ways of conservative rip athleticism away from kids. But the problem is hitters are worse because we're not focused on the right stuff. And when I say we've regressed, every kid this side of the Mississippi when they were in high school understood that they weren't allowed to swing out of their ass and they weren't allowed to just think about pulling the baseball because it was going to affect their ability to be good hitters. Every young player I played with, everybody I played with in high school, everybody I played with in Legion, everybody I played with in college, whether we grasped the concept and executed on them or not, we understood let the ball get deep, shoot right side. That was a big thing in, in assumption lore. Everybody understood that swinging and trying to create additional bat speed be outside of our control would would do damage in the game. And the reason I think we've regressed. And that's everything you and I talk about. It's the cross fitification element of it. The the presumption that you can train and play the same way is so egregiously false that it bothers me in ways and that's why I went on my little Twitter rant thread that I did too. It's It's just ridiculous. It's absurd.
0: Your Twitter rant was good. I love when you mix it up on Twitter. Got a, got a lot of traction.
1: Got a lot of traction. Yeah, I, well, I usually try to try to make uh, these like very impactful statements when I'm going to come in, but I I, I got accused of name dropping one of my teammates by some guy yeah. that I don't know.
0: Yeah, if you're in the so, same lineup as somebody, it's not it's not name dropping.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I, my favorite thing is when people that I, I've never spoken to. Try to talk shit about me, about something, and like that was like one of the worst burns ever. Like, hey man, sick name drop. I was like, oh, you mean my friend who's in my phone, who I hang out with? That's a name drop. Can look, to, hey guys, frequently? look at I have a jersey there. <laughs> what do we do? Like, what are we? T- what are people doing? Or is are people really that spiteful and angry? But anyway, my getting back to the the point. The analogy that Pilar used was awesome it, it, it and relate, it, re, it relates to all this, right? Like we got to teach people how to shoot. You got to teach them how to be shooters. Don't just give them a better gun. Teach them how to shoot. Don't give the guy a fish. Teach him how to fish.
0: <clears throat> well, it's if – you, if you key in on it, like it, it's important to learn how to hit the ball in front. But if you don't have the context of working from the inside of the ball – Catching the ball out front can be very, very dangerous. You're there's a lot of six actively, threes out there, dude. A lot of six threes, a lot of breaking balls that you're just never gonna get to. It it doesn't mean you shouldn't learn how to do it. it. Shouldn't mean you like there's there's gonna be times where you need to work on pulling the ball and you need to work on hitting it with a contact point further out front. My contention and the reason I posted it was if you can learn to drive the ball up well, I'm not talking about flipping it there. I'm not talking about carving it there, or filleting it. If you can learn how to drive the ball to the opposite field and create good direction, pulling the ball becomes easier. If you just catch it out front and throw the head out, you're never going to develop the depth. You, you're probably not de- developing good direction. And you're going to create a whole host of timing problems if you do that. So, my. I've been my, on.
1: Sorry, in the, I've been like on in the both golf sides world, of that.
0: Yeah. In the golf world, there's a whole thing about training speed first. Like, oh, don't worry about direction. You can figure out direction later. Just train for speed. Speed is a skill. And they're doing that with velocity for with, with throwing. It's like, oh, don't worry about direction. Just learn how to move fast. Move fast to figure out accuracy later. I don't know if it works like that. I don't, like, Yeah, you can learn how to throw harder. And throwing hard is effective because it eliminates time from the hitter. Is it so the pitching example is this is do you worry about accuracy first and then worry about developing speed later which i think if you have the feel and if you have the nuance of controlling the baseball and feeling with your fingers and controlling your release point controlling how you spin the ball i think learning how to throw hard you have the context you have the underlying principles that allow you to still pitch with that just like with hitting if you learn how to drive the ball the opposite field and create good direction and good plane and depth and all that stuff. Hitting the ball up front is just learning how to carry that swing further forward. That's my take.
1: I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what the, the, the strategy should be. And this should be a, a blueprint or a guide to parents until your player has to go do it in a game. And there's a scoreboard and their friends are watching and their feelings are in jeopardy of getting hurt, train speed, all you want. Like, when you're little, just flip them the ball, put constraints on them, make them figure out how to do stuff, right, like as hitters. When you're throwing, in terms of, like, organizing your body, it's probably good to think about, like, trying to hit a ball far. Now, I'm not completely – like, every young player should be taught, try to hit the ball as far as you can to center field. Back where the the object came from, right? I've talked to Ryan Bikendoa at length about this. Ryan's one of my favorite teammates ever. and He's a pitching coach out in Arizona high school now. One of the best pitchers I ever played with, commanded the strike zone as well as anybody I've ever played with. If you're a young kid and you're picking up a baseball, you should be throwing at a target, right? You should never just throw aimlessly. So... You can make some days about throwing hard at the target, but most of the time you should get to the point where you can repeat a throw to a a, a target and condense your target, make it smaller. It's like archery, right? Like you're gonna go to a smaller bullseye further away every time. And like level up that way. With hitting, if you just learn how to hit the ball out front, you're gonna go through torture. I went through torture in high school, Bobby torture six for 36, my senior year, because I had no idea how to hit an opposite field line drive in little league. I couldn't hit the guys that threw slow because I was impatient. Now it turned out. Okay. But let me tell you something. It led to a lot of anxiety, right? And it just was enough discipline on my part to figure it out later to figure out how to hit a ball over the second baseman's head, stick my butt out, shoot a ball right field. But till I was 27, I couldn't hit a backside homer if my life depended on it. And oh, by the way, that, that ability to do that, it's going to make you a better hitter. People are going to notice you more. It's something people talk about. It's something that differentiates you from most, right? One of the biggest things that Matt Shaw gets credit for is his ability to hit the ball out to all fields. One of the biggest things Spencer Torkelson got credit for was that he could go line to line leaving. Like that's, that's a massive asset as a hitter. And, oh, by the way, like, when you're a line-to-line guy, slumps are fewer and further in between, or slumps, I don't like to call them that, but stretches where you can't get hits or be productive.
0: Yeah. All that. I like when you rant. <clears throat> I need to get you ranting more. Did you see my tweets last night about uh, the pro side and the and the amateur side? Very much um, in the same vein.
1: I don't think so, but maybe.
0: So the uh, put out
1: good tweets. The, they usually actually, make the me people, think too much.
0: I've got some, got some. Well, I've been I've been putting a lot of tweets out, and people. It's weird. I put tweets out to make people think, and they're like, "Why you? Why don't you provide any answers yourself?" I'm like, "I'm trying to get people to think." I'm trying. To get the whole point of it is to instigate thought. So, don't get mad at me for doing what I'm intending to do. So, the pro side versus the amateur side. It's borrowed from golf. So. Uh, Since driveline brought smash factor to baseball. And the irony of that is like smash factor has to do with, should be different based on the club you're using. So like drivers are flat. Wedges have more loft smash factor is going to vary by club. So if you're just looking at it as like a quality of, you're looking at how squarely a ball is hit or how well you're transferring energy, but you're not, you don't have a uniform, surface because the bat's variable loft, whatever. So we got, we got golf terms coming into baseball. So I introduced the pro side and I'm going to talk about this a lot and I'm going to make it a point on Twitter to kind of own this term or at least drive it forward. So in golf, if you have a putt that breaks from right to left, you never want to miss on the left side because there's your speed and break. But in general, you don't want to miss on the left side because that means the ball never had a chance to go in the hole. You never hit it in a, in a way that had a chance to make, (laughs) never had a chance to go in the hole. So the pro side is missing to the correct side of the hole to give yourself the best chance to be successful. So in the context of baseball and hitting and softball and hitting missing on the pro side for timing is being early with your gather and then being late to contact. I would say, depending on the count, uh, if you're trying to hit the ball up front, then, you probably want to miss early versus late. If you're facing a guy with a bowling ball sinker, you want to try to miss under, not over. If you're gonna miss, how are you gonna miss? And it was one of the questions I, I put up was there just there's not enough conversation about fighting for barrels. About like I I love when the ball is released and it's hat like this is such a small fraction of time. And then there's going to be people that be like, oh, it's impossible. You can't manipulate the barrel because Coach Courier used the term manipulate the barrel to me in a positive way that he wants hitters who can manipulate the barrel. Like there's times when you have to fight for contact. You have to fight to not miss. You have to be just an absolute bastard about it. You, you can't give in to a pitch and nobody talks about this stuff. I think more people need to talk about it. So missing on the pro side is like Josh Hader Average fastball miss in the playoffs last year was negative three, which means hitters were, on average swung and missed under his fastball. If I face Josh Hader, my goal would be to to, to swing and miss over.
1: I, yeah, and you I would need try. To be I would laugh in the about box it. against that guy and thinking about hitting a chopper to second base. Yeah, I'm going to swing and miss over.
0: If I can swing and miss over, that's a that's a success in that at bat. Because if I aim for the ball, I'm probably going to miss.
1: 100%. So. That has, Same thing with like every time a guy's ridden a fastball on me in my life.
0: Yeah. But how, the, the concept of, of fighting for contact, do you feel like you were, you were worth, say like a hater type or a guy that rides it. You're like into contact, you're fighting like crazy to get on top of that ball. Right.
1: I'm, I'm going to tell a Homer story right now. Cause we haven't done that in a while. And we actually can go back and find the video of this. Um, Cause I know it's available. So it was 2017, my last year in affiliated and I went to Colorado Springs and I'll I'll never forget the first night, uh, of, of the two nights in a row. when this guy threw. we're playing Salt Lake city at Salt Lake. And this guy comes in and I go over to the bench and they bring him in when I'm, you know, either on deck or whatever. And I go over and I go, what do you got? And they're like 99 to one Oh two kind of all over the place. <laughs> so <laughs> good luck. I go, okay, great. Thanks. So the kind of all over the place made me go, okay, I'm gonna auto take first pitch, just see what happens. So the first night he throws ball one, and the, I look up the gun, it's one oh one. And I go, Alright, well, that was firm, but it was ball one. So I, I'm good. And it's not it, we, we weren't talking necessarily about Spin at the time, like what was the vertical break or whatever, but it's firm. It's firm enough that the vertical break almost doesn't matter. So on 1-0, he throws me a, a fastball down the middle. It's like hundred, and I follow it straight back. So I didn't. I didn't think about manipulating my swing. I was thinking about being more concise because it's a hundred. I followed it straight back. I had burnt wood smell on my bat right away. Like that smell means like. Ooh, like you just missed, right? So now the whole at bat, more and more, my thought process went from behind the baseball to more like work down to the baseball. I End up having this long at bat, follow a bunch of pitches back, and I can't, I just couldn't get to the heater. So I end up striking out on a 3-2 pitch. Next night he comes in again. I don't even, I don't go over the bench. I said, you know what? The strategy worked last night. I got 1-0, so I'm going to auto-take the first pitch. He pipes the heater just right down the middle. I'm like, damn. (laughs) So I'm 0-1. Second pitch, he like yanks a fastball bad, like crossfire, cutter type, 99. And it it rides all the way across home plate. So it ends up being a ball, and I swing through it. So now I'm 0-2. But it probably looked like I was so late that you couldn't stand it. So I go, okay, great. I'm in the most predictable O2 situation, fastball of fastball O2 situation of all time. If he throws a slider, good for him. I'm a swing and miss by a foot. But I literally, I remember as I was stepping into the box, I was telling myself to swing straight down. And when I say straight down, Bobby, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, I was telling myself to go straight down to the top of the baseball. Sure enough, O2, Heater, middle, inner third, and I, you know, as well as anybody, like I didn't, at that point in my career, I, I wasn't hitting a ton of pull side fly balls, like truly backspun fly balls. And sure enough, this ball rides in and you can see it in my swing and you can see the clip. It's much more down than normal. And I get it a little bit out front. I end up hitting it. I caught it a little bit off the end, but I knew I got it. That felt weird. My bat broke. Ironically, and I hit it 400 feet into the berm in left field for a homer, and I was Joe Cool coming around third, and I I said to Ned Yost the fourth, I go, I think I broke my bat as I was shaking his hand. He's like, that's pretty cool, and I ran in the dugout, and Tyler Heineman was, oh man, that was sick, dude. I was like, yeah, I think I broke my bat. They're like, no way. So anyway, they went check my bat, and it was broken. Um. I think it was splintered before but i i flushed it enough that it should have gone but the point of the story was i was literally telling myself to swing vertically down to the ball so people have to understand that these are like real-time adjustments that we have to make and there was no part of me that was telling myself to go get that ball out front it was just to be down to the ball and swinging down there
0: wasn't you weren't trying to hit a ground ball
1: correct like, I was just trying to flatten. I was trying to, I was still trying to hit a ball on a line. I wonder. But I knew that my thought process had to be that.
0: I wonder how many kids right now think they're not allowed to think that. That they're, there's a lot. Like, if they, if they go up to bat that because some coach online or their private coach or whatever, they think, oh, I'm not allowed to think that. I have to think swing up. I have to think a lot of cause of angle attack because they're, it's it's wild to me that like in this whole launch angle generation, whatever, there's such a lack of just hitting understanding and, and permission giving. I feel like it's it's to the point now where it's so restricted that you have to follow a certain person's words or their advice or get permission from somebody or get validation from somebody and it's not the game. Like there's going to be times you get in the box that you have to think straight down. There's going to be times you get in the box where you have to think miss under the ball. It's going to happen. If you haven't encountered that yet, you haven't been playing long enough. You're not deep enough into your career. At some point, if you're playing meaningful baseball, you're going to face a sinker that you're going to swing and miss over by a foot and wonder what happened. You're going to think the ball's invisible. Just like there's going to be that feeling of a, a fastball rising on you. And we know it's not rising technically, but it sure feels like it. <clears throat> so, full permission. You could think swing. You can think swing down without trying to hit a ground ball. You could think swing up without trying to hit a fly ball. Can we, as an industry, can we tag Jeff, <laughs> tag Jeff, tag a Shiga Nation in that one? Like you're allowed to think swing down without trying to hit a ground ball. You're allowed to think swing up without trying to hit a fly ball. Sometimes you just need to think things to make it happen. And yeah, feel versus real. Blah blah blah. Let's try to get some hits. How about that? That's the whole point. We're not trying to be right, we're trying to get hits. And the funny part is different. People think that's like a for some that, reason.
1: it's crazy. Is that that's and I think that's where like the whole thing is lost on everyone, right? And why I think we've we've regressed quite a bit.
0: Need because to point out Chris just sent a group chat about, with his Homer. He already he already found the video of the Homer. Just wanted it in real time, real podcast time, the clip of the hour.
1: Well, I know where all the videos are. I mean, I've watched them enough times. The the weird part about it is. I just I just don't understand when we lost sight of what we're actually trying to accomplish, right? If you play baseball for five minutes you know that training and game are different you know, there's no and i've said this i don't know how many times you can't recreate the game no matter what unless you create the game unless you're playing an exhibition game with a pitcher on the mound who's trying to get you out i don't care if you put the machine on a thousand it doesn't matter you can't create a game environment period you just can't do it so why are we why are we trying why are we trying to put a pitcher on the mound when we can't put a pitcher on the mound? Because of all the limitations on look, just look back to how they, they practiced 50 years ago. You took batting practice off a starting pitcher. You didn't take batting practice off the coach. You took batting practice off starting pitcher. And then they realized, okay, well, we need to save these guys' arms, blah, blah, blah. Cause we want them to have higher outputs themselves, higher ceilings, whatever. So they need to train differently, but it's not rocket science. Like we've just tried, we are trying too many different things. But until there's a human on the mound trying to get you out, which is why the best form of practice is get a coach to try to get you out. Like literally BP scrimmages, things like that, where you're you're creating situations, you're creating games, like BP scrimmage in practice, like is way more effective than The machine on 100 because the machine throws it in the same spot or close to it every time the machine's going to throw the same breaker every time unless it catches seams and even then the spin rates on machines are going to be wildly different without arm action without true timing components so what what are we talking about i don't i don't understand i feel like i'm in fantasy land when i talk to people when i read these articles about like, somebody thinks they invented fire because they put a machine on for, for BP. It's we wild were, to me. It's literally <coughs> absurd.
0: We, uh, we went down to, you know, we used to talk, we used the word process a lot. And I think interpretation of that is important. Or I, I'd like to clarify what we meant by that. Because I think right now process is getting brought into the game where they're like, oh, the, the swing you take is more important than the result. Process, process, process. I think that's horrible. When we used to talk about process, it was about doing the daily work that you need to do to be prepared for the game so you can do what you need to do in the game. Right now, it's like, oh yeah, true three outcome. Better to hit the ball in the air. Better to hit the ball into the shift. Let your, you know, let the results take care of themselves. How, how about no? How about you go out and create the results? How about you go out and try to how win pitches? How about no?
1: <laughs> you just said, how about no? <laughs> that was good, Bobby.
0: I'm I, yeah, I'm serious though. Like you gotta, you gotta go out and create the results. If if they got a shift on, don't hit the shift. Just don't don't. I don't know. There's there's process that's meant to prepare you for the game, and then there's in pro- game process. And there's a line there. There's a, there's a time and a place where you need to just go play your game and let the results take care of themselves. But in those individual moments. When that ball is released, and you got to fight for that barrel, and you got to not give in to a certain pitch, like I don't know what else you're trying to do besides win that moment. I don't. It's crazy to me. It's crazy. So uh, miss on the miss on the pro side. I was gonna say the high side last night, and then everybody's gonna be like, "Oh, get on top of the ball, hit grounders." You're the worst person on the planet because you think kids should hit ground balls, and be like, "No, just miss on the high side." pro side.
1: Yeah, I mean, let the situation dictate what you're doing. That was the whole point of my Twitter thread was we we have to, we have to allow players to discover we we can't, you can't just tell them what to do. It's such a disservice to a human being to tell them what to do. It, it eliminates all critical thinking, it, it eliminates all problem solving. It's it's bad. We need to educate people the whole analogy of the gun, right? The the analogy of the gun. I'm not just trying to give you a better gun. If you get a better gun, that's great. But you still got to learn how to shoot it. And, you know, the hitting approach guys asked me in the thread, they said, So what, how do you what makes a better shooter? And my response to that was about 50 things, right? It was like, I, I said breathing, thinking, relaxing. Uh, I'm gonna find it. It's, I mean, I, I literally and I could have gone on and on and on about it, right? Like, it, it was, what did I say? I said, it was like 10 different the breathing, aiming heart rate, thinking, focusing, relaxing, competing, planning, seeing, feeling, believing, processing information, adjusting, being present, knowing the situation, understanding moments, watching the game, knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Did I miss any? Because that list can go on. That's shooting, right? That's what shooting is. That's what that's what hitting is. And it's wild to me, like we, you and I. I said this. And I said this. What was it? Twelve years ago? Eleven years ago? We we're in the cage, and I, I probably realized that around two thousand fourteen that I, I was screaming so much about mechanics to the world and here we are 10 years later, nine years later and everybody in the world is screaming mechanics, 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 swing, swing, swing. And now what we realized 10 years ago was like, no, 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 listen society, listen to hitting world. It's, it's just really easy to sell the swing. It's really easy to sell swing doubt. It's really easy to point to a side view video and say, hey, look, this is wrong. Cause guess what? There's always gonna be something wrong cause we don't know what right is Bobby everybody wants to claim that they know what right is based on their own predispositions. But this is why the motor preference stuff is so much better than anything that anybody has to offer. Cause it's creating it's, it's a system with creativity within it. It's a system with like that, that is designed to be different. It's it, like, it has the artistic form of, oh, the individual is this, this is what this individual is this is your right, not this is right. This is your right. And that's why I am full send team Swope. Watching those hitters at Maryland B is completely different. Anybody that's going to experience being around him is different because we have a generation of hitters who have swinged out. And now we have to help remove that by saying, okay, we have all this information <clears throat> We've presented this information, but everybody still got swinged out. So like, how do we remove it and get back to the real conversation? By far, the more important stuff, by far, it's not close. Guy with a bad swing can still hit. All he's doing is narrowing timing windows and having to be better at precision. If you have a bad swing, it just means you need to be more precise and you need to be more you have a, a bigger time constraint. Doesn't mean you can't hit the ball in the barrel. I could I could literally throw a bat out in the air right now from my desk to home plate at NEBC, which is I don't know how far away, and I have a chance to barrel it. Doesn't matter how.
0: Right? Yeah. It's crazy. I think the same the same type of argument needs to be had about maybe discussion about hitting the ball harder. Because everybody now is like, oh, bat speed, bat speed, bat speed. All bat speed does is it raises your ceiling. Like, <clears throat> if you go down the list of things that allow you to hit the ball hard, bat speed is a factor. But being on time, having a good plan, being accurate to contact matters. Like, all these things actually matter. And we're just going to just chase bat I speed. Can
1: go back, I can go back 18 years to the day when I worked out for Rich Gedman Get ready early so you can swing when you want to. And I've seen a lot of guys that can do what you did your first round. I don't know most of their names, and most of them never played the big leagues. Meaning, like, here we are 18 years later, and the message still applies. Get ready so you can swing when you want to. Another big one with Rich Gedman was see how easy you can swing and hit it hard. And, like, I've seen plenty of guys that can hit pull side homers. That's been true Forever. And here we are in 2023 telling guys to hit pull-side taters in BP, and that's going to make them better. Hey, man, just lift ball Like, when I watch a cage round and I see every ball go in the ceiling, I want to throw up. I want to throw up. Even the lines in the cage, like, how do we not understand? There's a reason why Barry Bonds was talking about, like, hitting everything on the ground in batting practice. There's a reason why Freddie Freeman hits every ball to the left of second base in BP and why those two names will stand out through the course of history and time as two of the better hitters to ever play the game. When we're trying to talk about these concepts, we have to help hitters understand them. Yes, elevating the ball is better than hitting it on the ground because not elevate every ball you ever hit. Good hitting, rants. <clears throat>
0: Let's move on. That. Let's but move on. We Need to move on. Uh, WBC coming up. Are you playing for Team Italy?
1: I mean, at the rate we're going, maybe I, I'm. I'm available. I, I. I. am very available. I'm ready. If they call me today, I'm good.
0: So let's Probably let's talk about lead the
1: team in hitting homers.
0: <laughs> let's know. talk about uh, the WBC experience because you. You played in two of them. You were in training camp. for. You were in training. Was it uh, 06 you were in training camp? When was it?
1: 2006, yeah. When we saw each other in Florida.
0: <clears throat> so you were the, in training camp for that. You played in 13 and 17. Uh, to, just I got to be there as a fan and as a friend for the 2013 one, which was cool because I got to take the private flight to Miami. Got to be in the BPs. It was really, really cool experience what's it like playing for your country and playing for in in that, on that stage? What's different about what's different about the WBC versus major league baseball games? Maybe like the playoffs, even the
1: wild part is is the wild part is, is people, everybody talks about this whole playing for your country concept. And it's cool that you're representing a country, but I think more so than anything, it's the style of play that it affords, right? That, that, the tournament style baseball. Cause at the end of the day, it's still the group of 25 guys. It's not, I mean, you feel the weight of a nation in some capacity, but it's still a baseball game with 25 players. It's just the style of tournament that allows it to be different. Cause if you have any attachment to like, you know, you got guys that can play for multiple countries. I was reading about, uh, couple different people that have options, right? They have one parent that's Canadian, one parent, that's Mexican, one parent, that's American, or that's three parents, you can't have three parents, but a grandparent, you know, they were born in the US, whatever. So more so than anything, it's wonderful to be thought of in a light where you can represent a country, but it's the style of tournament, right, that it's just so few and far between once you get to the pro level, like, you don't have the opportunity to play in, in these like meaningful cutthroat, every pitch matters type of games. These, you know, double elimination, one and done, uh, style of, of tournament play. And that's what makes the WBC awesome. That's what makes all international baseball awesome is you have to play every pitch and really being the better team doesn't necessarily matter being the better team on paper because in baseball, more so than any other sport, the better team doesn't always win, right? The better team over the course of a season wins three out of five versus two out of five, right? So it's like the one game difference. And now that gets, that gets completely eliminated where it's like, you have to be completely present in every moment. And, and when you can get a group of people to really buy into that and then embrace the nerves that come with it, it makes for special stuff, right? And then you ride the, the, the wave of, okay, the matchup, this is when the matchup is truly at its most important. This is when every pitching change matters, every decision to bunt or hit and run or, uh, move a runner or whatever. And, and, and you really get to the fundamentals of baseball where it, it, I, I'm going to actually allude to a college baseball series that I watched last year. It was Notre Dame against Tennessee in the super regional and Notre Dame was not a better team than Tennessee, but they beat them two out of three because they understood how critical it was to keep the game close, minimize the big innings, have shutdown innings after you scored, and do the little things right that will help you push runs across the board. Right when you get to those games, three run homers are fewer and further between. Right, they're, they're they're much more elusive. They're they're harder to find because everybody kind of locks in a little bit more. Everybody. Doesn't want to give up the big blow. So, in baseball, I always say: score first, score last, and have a bunch of shutdown innings when you score. If you can score first, score last, and have a bunch of shutdown innings, that's a great formula for winning in baseball. I think that is a recipe for sustained success. Right? If you, you don't play, score you first, you play the game a little different.
0: Game. When you're when you're up, you can you can manage the game differently. That puts pressure on the other team. It just it changed, the, changed the dynamic in a, in a significant way. It's
1: it's like little stuff that you don't know until you've gone through it enough times. It's like the, when you get behind, if you get behind by more than three runs, more than two runs, it's two or three, whatever that, that, that threshold is, there's always one comeback in you. There's always one. <laughs> like you're going to find a way to have an inning that threatens, right? Like whether it's second and third, nobody out, bases loaded, you push one across, whatever. It's really hard to have two of those. So that's why the shutdown innings are so important. The guy on the mound has to go out and throw a strike one. Don't walk the first guy. Don't hit the first guy. I don't even care if you give up a leadoff double, but we got to get outs. Like we gotta, we've got to minimize big innings, right? You can't let cricket numbers show up because if you let cricket numbers show up, it's too hard to create cricket number innings getting five hits in an inning or six hits in an inning. It's just too hard. It's not feasible most of the time. Those are an aberration. So it's about learning how to score runs when you're not supposed to, or when you know the game's not giving them to you, and then taking advantage of moments and like really minimizing mistakes. Like like uh, Jimbo Foster, he's the uh, head coach at Northwestern now. He'd been the pitching coach at BC, been the head coach at Rhode Island before that. He went to Army. And when John Murphy went over to Army to coach with him, uh, Jimbo had this the, this metric that they followed. It's like less free bases, boys. Give up less free bases. Walks, hit by pitches, errors, pass balls, wild pitches. Less free bases. And what happens is, if you give away less free bases, you put yourself in a chance in a position to win every day. Like give up less free bases. And that's the model that you have to follow. That's why the WBC to me is so cool because every moment matters. And you look back to the moment from the second inning and it impacts the game and, you know, you don't you got to be perfect, right? And, and it's, you don't have to be perfect, but you've got to be able to overcome mistakes. And super cool experience. I'm excited for anybody that gets to be a part of it. Um, really cool, they've expanded it now, five teams in every bracket. Um, So four guaranteed games for everyone. Tougher to get out of a a bracket, obviously, but, uh, you know. It benefits the game if
0: more teams are involved. So that's a good thing. Grow the game. Make it more inclusive. That's good. Uh, So the the team, I think the the early favorite for the WBC is the the Dominican Republic. Their lineup is stacked. They got Starla Marte, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez, Jeremy Pena, Gary Sanchez, Julio Rodriguez. That's, that's a good lineup.
1: It's weird how the Caribbean countries take so much pride and the superstars show up, right? Like the superstars will show up. Um, you know, with Italy... Mm-hmm.
0: They're definitely playing for more than recently. themselves.
1: Correct, and and I, because it's their guess. What Juan Soto, and Manny Machado haven't played winter ball in what five, six, seven, eight, ten years, whatever it is since they. I don't know if Juan Soto ever played winter ball unless he did it when he was a kid. Probably, but they grew up in that culture where it mattered. He's right? probably
0: sixteen years old, hitting three eighty in the in the winter league. Yeah.
1: Well, it's, it's wild because, it, and you see, you know, the Acuna Homer with the pimp job made its rounds the last couple weeks. It, it means so much to them because it's what they grew up on. It's what they, they're so passionate about winter ball and that's winter ball is the only place where you can recreate what happens in the WBC, the Caribbean series going on right now. And it's cool that the Caribbean series expanded, that they're hosting in Venezuela again for the first time in I think nine years. Um, it's, you know, it matters to them. So these guys are taking so much pride in representing their countries where, you know, you know, two Fletchers are playing for Italy, right? Mean, like the Fletchers have no connection to Italy really, other than maybe they had a grandparent that was Italian.
0: Well, Look, the, the guys it, in the make in, they want to prove that they're the best in the, on, the, on the planet. They want... To be known yeah. as the best so baseball do the in the world. So do the Far East
1: teams, right? Yeah. The far, the far East teams have that same, I don't know, connection to it, I guess. So, not surprised. I mean, early favorite? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, I'd take my chance with that lineup. And it's a lot of the young talent, too. You know, other than Machado. It's you get to see all these guys on the same field at the same time playing with a different energy, right? They're, they're playing with a different energy that they do, than they do in game 61 of the regular season. And I think it, uh, it exposes people in, in a good way, right? Uh, shows you who's ready for the moments, who can handle them, who can embrace those moments. And look, it's not for everyone, you know, it's not uh it's not a thing that is for everybody, and that's that's cool too. You got to be a certain type of pers- personality to handle it.
0: I'm excited. I like. I, I love the energy. The Patrick was Pat, producer. Patrick was just a youngin when he went to. Uh, he was at the Canadian Canada versus Mexico game. There was like a fight that was breaking out. I remember we were in Phoenix. We were at a restaurant waiting for the game. It was U.S. Italy was the night game. Mexico, Canada was a day game and Patrick was there with his, his dad and his brother. And we're watching the, the game on the big screen, like bottles start flying. I remember Patrick saying like, I think it was a guy from Mexico was like, don't worry, we got you. Or something. Like, was it a guy from Canada? Somebody, somebody said they're going to watch out for them. But it, with, I mean, it was in Phoenix. so the, They wouldn't
1: let us go to the stadium.
0: It was getting pretty hostile. It was, it was ramping up, but, uh, yeah, just the passion there. I remember the the you guys. Your first game was against Mexico at Salt River Fields. Border's not that far away. A lot of people traveled for that series, and it was. I mean, for a spring training facility, it was. The atmosphere was lively. It was active. Yeah,
1: Salt River. Salt River had, you know, it didn't it didn't feel as important, I guess, at Salt River because you know it just felt like a big league spring training game with a little bit different vibes. Um, winning that game, I, I think we were lucky to play that first game at Salt River where, you know, Mexico kind of underestimated us a little bit. And it, it was like, oh, the one thing I'll say about the Caribbean countries is they get, they're very emotional. They're very passionate about the game and Mexico is included in the Caribbean, right? Um, you can get them emotional to a point where it causes a little bit of panic, right? We, I think we did the same thing against the DR to their credit. They were able to come back and beat us. Um, if we had scored again in the middle innings against DR, I think it would have been a different story. Um, but yeah, if you catch them in the right emotional state, or if you get them there, you just force some stuff to happen. That's where you can cause a little bit of chaos on the field. And you have a chance to, to change a game. Um, and, and these are things that like, you'd never think of in a baseball game, right? You'd never think of in a standard regular season game. You don't go, oh, well, yeah, we can make them too emotional right now. You can't make the, the Boston Red Sox get too emotional in game 38, right? Because everybody's like, oh, it's Groundhog Day. We're back in the field again. And you don't notice those things until they become prolonged in a, in a major league season. But in in the, the one and done style where every win matters, it's uh, it's impactful.
0: One of the coolest things that I ever that I've ever seen in baseball was the Dominican game when there was a mound visit. They were starting to get a little momentum. It was like the sixth sixth inning, seventh inning. Uh, so, Jose, Jose Reyes has gotten a base hit. He got a base hit up the middle, and he just instantly turned to his dugout and started screaming at them. You could feel the tide turning. And it was, uh, it was a Marco was the head coach. Yep. Marco went out to the mound and tried to get everybody to take a deep breath. And it was the only time I've ever experienced a crowd getting louder during a pitching visit. It was yeah. like... They saw it as an opportunity to just – that they were winning, that they were winning the moment, that they were winning that encounter. Like the coach came, went out there to shut them down and they're like, nope, we are not losing. You're not going to let – we're not going to let a mound visit make us quieter. And the sound went from like a level six to a level nine during the mound I visit. had to go
1: in the clubhouse. I, I, I couldn't like, stay out there. I was too – And they're banging, too the, they're
0: banging the things. They got drums there, chanting. It was intense. It was it, like – that crowd imposed themselves on the game in a way that I've never DH-ing seen before. DHing
1: that game was so difficult because I, I literally couldn't stay out there. Because Punto and I were talking about that. Nikki, Nikki had, I, I DHed the first game against Mexico, and Punto got pinch run four, which is weird because he's our leadoff hitter. So he hit a double leadoff the ninth against Mexico, and they pinch ran for him. So in the ninth, when we were on defense, him and I were just pacing up and down the dugout, and we kept looking at each other. We're like, I need to be out on the field. It's like it's way easier to be out on the field because at least I feel like I have impacted. some control over it.
0: Yeah.
1: And and you have to feel when you're in the when you're on the bench, you're you're sitting there going, I need to do something to try to control the energy in the game or control my energy or control whatever. And so you just you got nothing to do but pace. I'll never forget when uh after Joey Bats' Homer, uh, same thing in the playoffs. I, they took me out, so it's the top of the eighth now, right? I, I got I went, I hit a single and then at the, we had another scrum and then DeMarlo Hale came up to me and said, you know, Smokey got you. And I, you know, we were up three at that time, but I, I remember going into the clubhouse and I just, I couldn't sit still. I was, I, I had to just get me out of this environment for a second because I, I'm going to go crazy where if you're on the field, at least you're, you're doing your breathing, you're controlling your practices, you know, that you you have to be in moments as opposed to now you have no you have no effect on the game, and you're trying to badly.
0: It's hard. It's hard to not be able to influence it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, DR is going to be tough, but Japan's always going to be tough. US is going to be good. A lot of names on the US team, so looking forward to it. Nice little kickoff. Uh, next topic: Hall of Fame voting. So, Scott Rowland is currently the only person with enough votes to be in the class of 2023. Todd Helton has 72.2% of the votes in his fifth year. Billy Wagner's got 68%. Andrew Jones has 58. Gary Sheffield, 55. Carlos Beltran, 46. Jeff Kent is now through his 10th year. He's currently only got 46.5% of votes. Some of these names I feel like should be in the Hall of Fame. Todd Helton is a Hall of Fame caliber player. Would you? How do you feel about that?
1: Our challenge, our challenge with the Hall of Fame. Is we have people outside of the generation voting for a different generation. So we're trying to make these generational comparisons. And I frankly, I don't know what the Hall of Fame is supposed to represent. Right. And I mean that from the standpoint of are we trying to take the best players from every generation and, and enshrine them in, in Cooperstown by saying, you showed utter dominance over a generation of players? Or I think that's not necessarily what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to compare generation to generation to generation and say, and to me, that's like literally the most difficult thing on the planet to do because getting 3000 hits, getting 300 wins, uh, five thousand strikeouts, whatever the numbers are. The way the game is played, generation to generation, is differently, right? Like nobody's ever, nobody's ever going to strike out five thousand ever again. Nobody's ever a, a three hundred strikeout season is probably off the books because I don't think enough guys are going to throw two hundred innings to be able to get to three hundred strikeouts, right? Like Mark, think about Mark Burley. Th- 14 years in a row through 200 innings, right? That means you can't miss starts. And that means you're going six every time you go out there, right? Like (laughs) basically you you get 30 starts in a year. You're going six or seven innings every time you start a game. And it's just not going to happen. So how do you, how do you compare generation to generation? And it's got to be a sustained period of dominance in the game, I think. Because Barry Bonds' career looks a lot different than what Juan Soto's will, you know, Bryce Harper's, Mike Trouts, whatever. And I think now players that played in the the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, they've lost a little bit of cachet. Guys like Todd Helton, they, they never necessarily were sexy as players. Todd Helton was in the conversation for the batting title every year had great numbers. If you go look at his career numbers, they're great, but then somebody wants to compare him to Willie Mays or, you know, whoever, 500 homer guy. And you start and you go, well, he doesn't have 3,000 hits or, well, he doesn't have 500 homers or what. And it's like, it's a different game, man. Like, it's a different time. If Scott Rollins in the Hall of Fame, Todd Helms gotta be in the Hall of Fame. There was another one the other day, uh, they tried to compare a guy from the '70s, and I think it was maybe not Dale Murphy, but something like that. Another comparable corner infielder, better numbers than Scott Rowland, like almost across the board. And he didn't get in, and he hasn't been in. It's like I don't know, man. Like I, I, I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner here, so I, I don't. No matter what you do, you're gonna, you're gonna leave some people out that probably. Should get consideration and put other people in that maybe others don't think like Jim Rice because he didn't play long enough. People were like, "Oh, he should not be a Hall of Famer." What's What's the criteria? I, I, the criteria has to it's moving target be more defined. And I think there should be, you know, yeah, I think there should be more. Th- like it, the Hall of Fame is a joke to me now, anyway. Because if we're not going to put Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in, like, what are, What are we talking about? Like, what are we What are we doing? Yeah,
0: you get like uh, the whole the whole PED issue is it's real, but Barry Bonds never tested positive, never suspended. So what are we talking about? Guy like Manny Manny Ramirez tested positive twice, I believe, right? So that's an issue. Alex Rodriguez suspended for steroids. I mean, so
1: yeah, David Ortiz has supposedly been circled into those conversations. And look, I frankly, what we've done with information, or more information, whatever people think information is, it's created more presuppositions or predispositions to, to, to gauge a, a player in a certain way. And people want to pretend to know stuff. And it's really frustrating from a from a standpoint of like what are, again what are we trying to accomplish like what 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 is the objective here is it to to stand on a soapbox and be able to tell people that you know you're better than them or that you don't deserve something and i think a lot of players don't play with cooperstown in mind because at the end of the day cooperstown's a byproduct of having a lengthy career and sustained success. And it's never on your radar as I have to have this. It's like a nice thank you for remembering me and what I did for the game type of moment. Um, so I don't think it has as much allure to the player themselves. It's more of a fan thing, right? It's it's for the fans it's like VPs for the fans. Like, it's not for the players. It's the players within the, the generations know where they stand. They know what they represented. They know what they did. Their peers, more importantly than anything else, like it's like how do my peers look at me? I don't some fan, some guy screaming from mm. Iowa. Like you just learn to not pay attention to those. So and that's what that's what the Hall of Fame's become to me. It's if it was a peer to peer thing, then I, and that's why I like that there's a player vote now to, to get guys in. Because it's supposed to be how do your peers view you. It's not supposed to be how, like, I like if I was working on Wall Street. You think I cared what a teacher thinks about? No offense. Like, you think I care about what some teacher that's never been in the trenches thinks about what how I did my job? No.
0: It's a strange process. <clears throat> it'd be it'd be an interesting poll if there was like a popular vote for the for the Hall of Fame like let twitter let twitter have a vote just do a poll just
1: we try, but we like why are we trying to democratize it i don't i don't understand like why are you trying to democratize well, the whole thing cuz
0: the people that have the power to vote right now are just writers
1: correct but why why are we trying to even go further than that because again you're looping a bunch of people in the conversation that they can't they don't really know like and, and this is kind of the problem with everything right it's kind of the problem with the information age is information doesn't create wisdom Like information doesn't, information is information until, until you've really, and I'm not saying that people that have information can't be knowledgeable, but don't get me wrong. Like there's something to be said for experiencing it. There's something to be said for like the true wisdom of feeling the feelings that you feel in any given moment for having to be put up against it, like rock a hard place, like in the fire, whatever you want to call it. Nobody can know what what it's like to be that until they they have to do it. And the same way I can't know what it's like to have played in the 80s, to have played in the 60s, to have played in the 40s. I I can't ever pretend to know what somebody else had to experience. All I can do is educate myself and try to be compassionate to the circumstances that people had around them. Right? And be considerate of them. Like people want to sit here and and call the the guys out that were, you know, P.E.B. guys, they don't, they don't know what was going on in the clubhouses. Then they don't know what it was like to try to sustain your career and deal with injury and failure and and all the stuff that like, who, who are you to judge anyone? Like who is anybody to judge anybody in that regard, unless they truly act evil to other humans. Some people need to be called out for stuff, yeah, but it, only when they when they cause harm to others incessantly. I don't know, get philosophical here. I don't need to do that.
0: Going in. Going in. <clears throat> uh, we have two more topics. Second to last topic, Jazz Chisel, cover of MLB The Show. There were some people that were upset about that because he's not good enough, supposedly. Uh, he's a young, charismatic, high-energy guy, and you're trying to engage the youth of the game, yeah, he's going to be on the show. He's going to be on the cover. Like, I have no issues with it whatsoever. He took the Grom deep. He's on the cover. How about that? Simple rule. The question is, do players check their ratings in video games and how potentially upset do they get if they don't like the rankings?
1: Yeah. Of course you do, because you need to have another stick for the fire, right? Is anybody ever happy with their ratings? Every player that plays in the big leagues thinks they're the best player on the planet, probably, right, or some version of it. So when you get a 73 rating, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. No, you always think you're better than what you are. So, like, of course, it, I, I'm going to agree with, like, I, Jazz Chisholm hasn't really move the needle for me. I think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. Um, what, like, what is the cover supposed to represent? You know, what's the cover of the video game supposed to represent? I, like, in, in, You know, in popular culture,
0: I, I, you I, think I don't Mays know. It's, was like, it's oh, such man, a non-factor I, to me.
1: I can't wait to see who's on the cover of, you know, Nintendo Game Boy, nineteen sixty-three. Like what? Well, yeah, Game Boy didn't exist. But I, I haven't game in a long bent. time,
0: so I don't. I have no. This is for the fans. Answer. The
1: ratings thing. I think the ratings thing. The players take personally, right? The cover. Who cares? This one cover doesn't matter.
0: Which is funny because it's just feel like it's cool. Like it's just some guy creating rankings, right? It's just like some. They're having, yeah. like, somebody at EA Sports is having a meeting, being like, oh, right, what's well, let's, let's Colabello's defensive rating? Let's give him a – you're just picking a number. Are they going off of UZR? Like, what are they doing? I don't
1: know.
0: It's crazy. I don't know. Uh, last Love topic. Last topic. we got Super Bowl coming up. Uh, I think we're going to be on on a plane during the Super Bowl. So Yeah,
1: I couldn't care less about the Super Bowl. <clears throat>
0: I actually had to look up who was playing because I forgot. That's my care level. So we got Chiefs versus Eagles. I believe it's in Arizona. Who's doing the halftime show? I think Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Remember, when, remember when we watched the Super Bowl? It was like the commercials was a, were a big deal. It was like you'd have like watch parties to see the commercials. That was fun. Yeah, Super Bowl is like I half about the have game. i less
1: interest in the NFL.
0: Do, do you have a, a, a pick should. here? Mahomes is, is his ankle going to be healthy? I think the Eagles are pretty good. I I don't. Yeah, I don't know enough about the teams defensively to to have like a prediction here. I think both teams are good. I wouldn't be surprised if either team won.
1: I th- the only thing I thought that was good that came out of this playoffs was when Kelsey came on. Like this ain't Burrowhead Stadium. That was funny.
0: Yeah. Uh, I thought the 49ers just complete inability to have a quarterback was funny because like Brock Purdy was getting hyped up as the guy. They're saying he's going to be unequivocal like no questions asked. He's a starter next year. And then he went out and his, uh, he's Tommy John now, just got strip sacked, UCL shattered. So maybe, and then they were saying they need six months recovery and all the baseball people were like, what are you talking about? Six months. Tommy John needs more time than that. Why can't baseball players return in six? Minutes? Whatever. Um, but the watching that game was painful. Literally, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the 49ers. Um. Yeah,
1: and I didn't watch one play in it.
0: I, we watched the game last I weekend. I don't think we I had the games had on. This game
1: on.
0: We had the games on. I don't know that we watched intently, but they were on. Uh. Patrick Mahomes, Tough to root against him. Tough to go against him. If his ankle's good. Even if his ankle's not good, because he still scrambled for that. First down.
1: Godson of LaTroy Hawkins. That's he's my connection good. to the Super Bowl. He's just good. He's unbelievable. He's,
0: the vision that he has yeah. is unbelievable. Because <clears throat> he's a baseball player. That's why. He's a baseball player playing football. Those, Patrick throw that up on TikTok. Get the baseball people, player playing football. Baseball
1: players are the best athletes. So hey, baseball players are the best athletes. <laughs> last, time best we, last time we
0: said that, our, our TikTok had like 1.5 million comments or something. People got mad, mad about that.
1: Baseball players are the best chameleons. They can adapt to the most sports. I'm not saying they're going to be the best at everything. Uh, like how about, I don't, I I be the first to tell you, I don't. <clears throat> How do you define athleticism? Did I tell you about, I got, I, I got in this, I got to this at the gym. I walked up to, I walked up to Shane Davenport, who's the strength coach at Lafayette football now. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the best athlete in here. And I was just trying to be myself, right? Like be combative. And uh, he's like, you know, I, I was like, all right, define athleticism. And he's like, I was like, Let's, if you're going to, if we're going to have like a, a decathlon of like 10 mainstream sports, right? Football, baseball, hockey, uh, basketball, golf, tennis, soccer. What else we got? Give me three more sports. Like a decathlon of sports. Like, sp- do we have to put like stri- track and field in there? Uh, dec- that counts. Sports, Distance running. So
0: you got to go like running, jumping, throwing, hitting a ball with a stick or object. It's so, like hand eye coordination.
1: Yeah, but you're just picking you're just individual skills, right?
0: Yeah, but it's like speed, ability to absorb but contact. Those are
1: athletic or... skills. Yeah. So those are athletic skills as opposed to the actual performing of the game, right? So like if in football we have to go, okay, how do I make myself – as a baseball player, how do I make myself a football player? I to play quarterback, receiver, running back, or on defense. I got to be able to intercept balls or tackle. Baseball players can catch and they can throw. Some of them can run. Um, they're certainly smart enough to pay attention to the game, right? So if you did football, you'd, you'd take like the different skills within football, and then you'd create an overall score for football. Then you took soccer; it'd be like shooting, passing, field vision, cardio, whatever, and you'd take an overall score for soccer. So that's the way I look at it. I'm like, if you took the ten sports, baseball players probably gonna win. If you took the skills within the sport, just run, throw, cardio, you know, like get out, like no, no chance. Like baseball players, like hockey players, football players, way better. I think hockey players have the best chance because they have the cardio and the speed element to it, right? And they and they can rotate tennis too.
0: Tennis has got a lot of a um, lot of that.
1: Yeah, I don't think a lot of it's explosive though. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put Roger Federer in a foot race against Usain Bolt. I don't think that would.
0: I mean, you just, oh, well. this, he's the fastest man on the planet ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's <clears> still like...
0: a lot of lateral. It's a lot so of lateral so quickness. But they're they need a very high motor. They got the overhand. They got forehand, backhand. There's a lot there.
1: Baseball players, man, best chameleons.
0: I think tennis is sneaky in that That's regard. My take. Sk- Hockey's different because it's such a specialty to skate. They all, they all run weird too. All those but hockey players.
1: speed on the ice represents speed on the ground too. So
0: maybe they all they all run weird. Get those knees out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Anything else? Bobby's laughing. For for those listening at home, they just did the outwards. Knees, yeah, their knees with the feet
0: out. All right. Take um, us out.
1: Patrick gets so mad when we rant. So on that note, Super Bowl Sunday, all oh, the baseball getting going. People out!